What's up, everybody? It's your boy MC Murr here, and welcome back to another episode of the Modern Core Gamer Podcast, the gaming podcast for all gamers, new to old, and everyone in between. Joining me, as always, my co-hosts, ladies and gentlemen, Triple J, J-Town, James Jonan. What's up, James? I'm having a fine night. I hope you are too, Murr. Absolutely. Also joining us, the captain that makes it happen, Captain Retro. Hi, fellas. What's going on? And I have a question real quick. Why does James get three nicknames? He's got like 18 nicknames rolling <laughs> off. I need more nicknames. I feel like I need more nicknames. Well, <laughs> I will put a requisition in for that, and I will have my people get with your people. I, I love it, though. He's got some branding going on. So starting right in on Gamer News, what's going on right now, literally right now, the Consumer Electronics Show CES 2023 is underway, and I'm usually pretty hyped for this every year because of what comes out of it for us gamers. And specifically, I'm usually interested in hearing about the Arcade 1-Up news. That's where a lot of that stuff gets dumped out at. And they've had announcements this time, but I gotta tell you, the takeaway from it for Deluxe Cabinets, that's what they're coming at us with. Pac-Man Deluxe, Miss Pac-Man Deluxe, Class of 81 Deluxe, and Mortal combat deluxe now i can make that sound real exciting or i can give you my version of that announcement arcade one up releases the same crap again for a fourth time but this time the riser is integrated and that's it and it's going to cost you 300 more dollars i just don't know how many more times they can do this i'm not trying to take a crap all over their announcements but we've just seen cabinets drop from these guys and we've seen a major price flub on the nfl blitz on the killer instinct i mean they came out at a large sum of about i think seven or eight hundred dollars and before christmas was up these were 2.99 on the chopping block on certain retail sites because they couldn't sell them for that it wasn't even a realistic price point for those games and they were newer games now these deluxe models they're coming out with this is just rehashing all those titles again and it should be noted that okay you're getting a lot of games on these right you're getting 14 titles on the pac-man and miss pac-man machines 12 on Class of 81 and 14 on Mortal Kombat, only four of those games being Mortal Kombat games. But it's all overlap. There may be a few on that Mortal Kombat cabinet that are not already included on other cabinets, but as far as the Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, the Atari stuff, Galaga, that's all out on so many different units at this point. Yeah, you just got it. They are. They're just re-releasing these. Again, I don't want it all to be taking a dump on these things, but they're touting these lit marquees, which, okay, we should have that anyway at this point. You've got a laid-back screen trying to keep with the actual authentic arcade design. That is going to look better, probably play better too. But outside of those cosmetics, again, most of the people that would be the demographic for these products already own products with these games on them. Now you're telling them to come in here and drop maybe seven or $800. We don't know if these will be the full grand or not, because they've talked about that with deluxe models, full-size cabinets before. And again, I just have to ask at this point, who is this for other than overzealous YouTubers? I don't know of anybody personally that would buy these models again and get all those same games again just for the sake of buying this unit that they don't have. To me, it's just, why even show up at that point? I don't even know if this is worthy of being at CES when it really technically doesn't do anything new. Really this feels is- like it's just for the collectors who already own all of them and have this sunk cost fallacy that thinking they need to get them all, like the Amiibo Correct. guys. Correct. That just feel still to this day feel like they have to get all the Amiibo because they started that way. And this is just the high-end version of that. 
Correct. That's my take on it. Do you think it's possible that A1UP is losing the licenses for these games, particularly, and they're like, let's have a last-ditch blowout deluxe model with everything we're about to not be licensing anymore and give people one last opportunity to buy it again? No, 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 not not at all. This is, no. this is yet another repackage. Okay. They tried to go under the whole argument of, oh, you got to have these because they're small and they're easier to fit in your house. And everybody's like, yeah, that's it. We want them because they're small. It's like, oh, well, now we want them big. Okay, well, here they are big. Oh, well, now we want them big. It's so gimmicky that it's just, it's a head hanger. I got to just shake my head at it because, I mean, you're talking about the price point that they're putting on it for, again, the games on these things. If you are a demographic for this product, you already own the machines with these games on them. You're not willing to go out there and pay that much for another way to play these things. Again, unless, like you said, you're just collecting these things. You have to have them all and you have ridiculous amounts of dispensable income. <laughs> that You would need that. Other than that, the only takeaway from CES that I got to say I'm somewhat excited for is my arcade showing up with their 50th merch for Atari, specifically this Game Station console. They're actually launching an Atari console here, which hilariously enough was the name of the Zenith game console and that parody meme that we've all seen, the Zenith Game Station Pro. So there's a Game Station now. And my question <laughs> is, we don't even know what this thing does yet. We haven't got that far in the presentation. I can just say that it looks really good, but we know from the VCS that it's easy to make something look really good that does absolutely nothing. I'm asking is this another at games 2600 box is that all this is is this a plug and play that looks really nice and really flashy on the outside or are we getting actual emulation here is this an actual emulation station that can bring us something akin to what we're seeing on the atari 50 collection you know by now there was 5200 stuff on there link stuff jaguar stuff if it can do all of that stuff, if it can show up the VCS just in the sense of what it can offer of games to play, this might be a really unique product. The fact that it's my arcade, the same people that make the little mini arcades that you pick up at your local Walmart for 20 bucks, make me very skeptical of any of those possibilities. But that is coming. I can't wait to hear more about that. And I would like to throw one more thing about CES. Uh, Sony announced the Project Leonardo, which is a uh, an accessibility controller for the disabled. Microsoft's oh. been sitting on one of these for years. And, you know, with all Sony having been going all in on accessibility the last few years, it may only make sense that they're finally going to get theirs. I don't know if you've seen one. It looks like a Simon with like 12 buttons and a joystick. It looks awesome. That's wild. No, I have not seen that. A Simon like the old school. Dee -doo -dee -doo. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Big old circle with a dozen buttons on it. Any way to get more people to play games is great yep, news. Absolutely. You know I mean? So moving right along, James, what news have you got for us this week? Well, I had a front row seat to my news story this week. A lot of you oh. might have heard uh, Final Fantasy was celebrated its 35th anniversary on December 18th. Mm -hmm. Can't believe that. That blows my mind. But there we are. <laughs> Square Enix announced the long-awaited console ports of the Pixel Remasters, if you're familiar with them. High-quality 8-bit remakes of uh, Final Fantasy 1 through 6, which are some of my favorite games of all time. Believe it or not, 6 is my second favorite game of all time. I don't own a physical copy of 6. Well, they announced they're making physical copies of this thing. Hmm. So these things have been drip feeding out on PC since July of 21. No hint of a console release. Not only were they now finally coming, but physical copies will be available in June. Here's where things get nasty. Standard edition of one through six, just a cart for Switch or just a disc for PlayStation, $75. Mm. The anniversary edition, $260. That version includes the game, a vinyl record collection, 8-bit style figurines, hardcover art book. It's cool, but oof. $260. Gets a little nastier. $25 for the uh, shipping fee on everything. Oh, 
whether it's a standard edition or a collector's edition, whether you want you know, one copy or two copies, $25 each. No, no, sir. Can't believe it. It only got worse from there. These things were announced at 1 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Yes. They were a Square Enix exclusive in extremely limited quantities. They lasted about two hours. Actually, the Switch copies lasted about a single hour. That's longer than I thought they would last. <laughs> it's longer than the restocks last. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Thankfully, I was uh, getting out of a Discord event and I happened to see the the rumor popped up around 12 that these things might go up or at least might exist. And so a lot of people were staying up online saying, let's see what's happening. Let's see if they make any announcements. And lo and behold, they did. So people are scrambling at 1 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday trying to get these things. And let me tell you, it was nuts. You're seeing all these people on Twitter who don't know what to do, don't know what the rules are, don't know how to get one, if they can even get one, if this is a rumor or not. I don't know if you've ever tried to log into the Square Enix store. It's a I nightmare. haven't, actually. No. I've probably said this to you in the past because of the Final Fantasy XIV. Mm-hmm. I've almost lost my Square Enix account three, four times. Because yes, it's yeah. not worth recovering. And when you're trying to recover it, in the middle of this kind of event, <laughs> let me tell no. you how stressful that was. <laughs> yeah, no way. I had to make a new account <laughs> because the uh, password reset emails just weren't getting to you. In of time. course not. You course knew not. that I wasn't going to wait on that. I, was, I would rather make a new account than have to sit here and pretend like I might get this email in time because I didn't. I got the email like 12 hours later. Junk. Thankfully, I did end up getting a copy of a, on the standard edition for the PS4. I wanted to get one of each, but the way you had to do it, I mean, they didn't tell you this, but you could only order one at a time. If you had two items in your cart, it just froze. It just sat there and looked at you and you had no idea why. Someone finally clued me in on Twitter that if I deleted one of the items, it would go through fine. And then I could make a second purchase if I wanted to. What? At that point, I didn't want to. No. <laughs> I said, I got my copy with Final Fantasy VI on it. I'm done. I'm out. Unbelievable. Crazy. That kind of leaves you with no words after you hear something like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, th- th- that really, I-, I felt that, all of that, that frustration I- was palpable. And just your this isn't a unique situation events. either. It really that like you've heard this story time and time again in a Mad Libs version with a different company and a correct, different video correct. Because you've made this point to me so many times. It's like why are product drops like you know from these companies like they're drunk dialing an X at three a.m. Yeah. Why? Why do we have to get things like that now? And somehow the scalpers always know. I don't know how they know, but they know. They've always got their finger on the pulse. They the bots, bots do the rest of the work. Yeah. But I mean, how do they even get the intel initially? It's like, I know there's discords. I know there's a lot of underground talk about these things, but it's not like we don't have our finger on the pulse of what's going on in gaming. We eat, sleep, drink, breathe it. And this yeah. stuff just happens. Was, and it's not just I was just in the right us. place at the right time. And I shouldn't have had to been. Correct. I mean, you've got all these people. Oh, I had no idea what was happening. Or I, I didn't hear anything about that. And, and it's always people that as surely any one of a hundred different people you network with in gaming may have heard about this thing. No one has ever known about these things when they hit, when they happen. I was, oh, no, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know it was happening. But somehow the scalpers all know. And you can go right to eBay. And yes, I always do right afterwards. Go right to eBay and see all the listings, pages and pages and pages of them marked up four to 500%. And, and that's nauseating. actually, that's exactly where my story ends. They, as of tonight, those things are going for in between $400 and 1000 Wow. Now, given that, and I'll end cap this for you. I mean, would you sell yours for that amount when you get it? I don't think I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm a sucker. If five years from now, if it's still sitting at that amount, I may do it. But I'm going to be holding, I'm going to grip onto that thing for the okay. first year easy. 
Good. Especially, like I said, I, I've never owned a copy of Final Fantasy VI. This is the I'm finally going to have it in some form or fashion. Unfortunately, the scalping thing happens in everything, everything from garbage pail kids to yeah. pinball machines to TVs. Some people have the ability to get things first and then make a living doing that. So until that stops, it's going to keep happening. So, Captain, what have you got for us in news this week? My news is kind of a, a study that I read about. Okay. It's about YouTube and gaming. So that is right up our alley. We are YouTube gaming content creators. A study has been published by analysts at Bonus Ninja uh, that highlights the most popular games on YouTube based on their earning potential on the Google platform. Okay. Now, I don't know if that means they were uh, games streamed and live views or if this is content based on the game. But I've got a list here of the top 10 earning games and how much they earn per minute. So I'm guessing that it's an aggregate of the thousands and thousands of people doing said game and the overall aggregate of what they're making. But would you like to take a guess at the top three, possibly? I'll read off all of them, but I'll do the last three as the, the highest ones. So if I had to guess, I would think Minecraft is in there somewhere. Unfortunately, Minecraft is not on this list. Wow. Uh, Fortnite? Fortnite is not on this list. That is wild. It is wild. And then lastly, I would say Roblox. Not on this list. (laughs) Well, let's hear this list. Okay, so from the bottom we'll go, uh, the, the number 10 is Doom. Like old school Doom, it Get earns out about, of here. I'm not. This is what the list said. I'm just reporting. Okay, yeah, list. no, I'm just saying. I'm just thinking <laughs> out loud. But okay, Doom earns about three hundred and ten dollars per minute on YouTube. Huh. Portal is number nine, three hundred and sixty-one dollars per minute. That did just have a re-release um, with the new RTX card. I wonder if that plays into it. It very well might. Possibly. Number eight is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet at four hundred eighty-two dollars per minute. I could see that. Number seven, God of War Ragnarok, almost five hundred bucks a minute, four ninety seven. Number six, Portal Two at five seventy five per minute. Now okay. I'm very confused. <laughs> exactly. Very, Number yeah. five, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, three six hundred and thirty dollars per minute. Now this is again, it's based on what advertisers paid per thousand dollars, like per for the time. You know what I mean? So it's like the study is based on the average cost per thousand that advertisers pay for the ads running with each upload, which sees every one thousand views earning creators thirteen dollars and fifty cents. Some creators obviously make more than others. Uh, PewDiePie and Techno Gamers. PewDiePie made two point nine seven million dollars last year playing some of these games. He was part of the study, I guess. And the Techno Gamers okay. guy earned one point six million dollars off streaming these games. But let's go back to the games. After Fallen Order, number five, God of War. Like, is that the, the last one? I guess it's the PS. Are they twenty eighteen? Yeah, yeah the, re- the, the remake would have to be. Then you got the number three game, Red Dead Redemption 2, at $693 per minute. I can minute. see that. That still has a po- online, uh, popular online The online it? component, yeah. Yeah. N- number two, Elden Ring. Oh, yeah. $1,590 per minute. Okay, yeah. And the number one that. game, Grand Theft Auto Five, four $4,077 per minute. That's not hard to believe either. It really isn't. Yeah, no, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised at all. And again, time. from that <laughs> online component, I mean, there is so much with the mods and stuff that people do to that like, stuff. Right. And the essential online game weird things. Correct. Yeah. But uh, I was surprised as you were to find out that the three games y'all mentioned were not on this list. Uh, I baffled. I'm baffled too. Moving into our second segment of this podcast, what we have been playing. James, what have you been playing this week? 
Well, I'm going to throw a curveball this week. I know a lot of people are looking forward to my hearing what I think of Jane Echoes because it's right up my alley. I've, mm-hmm. I have been playing that game, but I don't feel like I've given it justice yet. I'm just not far enough to really give that a solid review. Okay. And so in between, I did play a little uh, in the double A, maybe A and a half game. A and a uh, half. <laughs> called In Sound Mind, which was a really big in the streaming community last year, a little after Halloween. It's all a psychological horror game. So, of course, it made sense that it hit big. It went on sale for $5 and some change, and it's been on my list for a while. I couldn't pass it up. And after the disappointment that I had with the Callista Protocol, I just really wanted to play a horror game that made me feel good about horror. <laughs> sure. And you know what? This did it. This really did. You play as a a therapist who drops off in this dreamlike apartment building where your office and your patient's homes and these nightmare dimensions are all right down the road from each other. You can go down the hallway and and walk into a completely different building through the door. It's uh, mostly puzzle based. uh, Kind of imagine each level is like a short story version where you're going through these people's traumas and physical manifestations of just their memories. Mm hmm. It's almost like a dishonored level. It's a big quasi open world level. Each level is just okay. kind of be solved in different ways. There's yeah. different puzzles, different ways you can go and you can kind of choose how you do that. You always have the same in boss, but the way you get there is always a little bit different. There is combat, but I'm not going to stay with that for too long. It's a first person shooter when it gets down to it, but that was definitely the weak point of the game. I tried to sneak around that as often as I could. <laughs> yeah, I think that first person shooters, that's not necessarily a go-to genre for you. Oh, absolutely not. And just the same with, uh, it's not generally what you would think of out of a horror game. No. There are no. first person shooter I mean, horror are, games, but... but this is, yeah, that was definitely, I have the feeling that was the easiest way to make this game have combat in the Unity engine or something. <laughs> Yeah, because the game that you're it was describing, an afterthought. yeah, it doesn't sound like it would go into first person combat. The game but you're the, describing, absolutely not. <laughs> I was almost surprised when it started to lean that direction, and it did more and more as it went on. But for the most part, the atmosphere and the puzzles and just the mood were the star of this game. So this game is available on what? On everything. It's on PC, it's Xbox, it's PlayStation, Uh, not Switch, unfortunately, but everything else. If you want to play this game, you can pay $5.25 to do it. Uh, It's a great horror game. Like I said, uh, just coming off of Callisto Protocol, I needed something like that. It's a good, smart horror game. The scares are rarely cheap. Even when they do a jump scare, it's usually in a funny or clever way, which the game is actually surprisingly funny for a game covering trauma and just psychological disorders. This actually is kind of a funny game. Uh, slight spoilers for one of the early scares. One of the first times they use a jump scare, you're in this basically like a supermarket slash like like a small town Walmart kind of place. And there are these Mm -hmm. mannequins everywhere and you're looking for a locker. You find the locker finally and you say, oh, here it is. And it says, oh, you need a key. You're sitting there cursing that you need a key. You turn around and the mannequin's sitting there and you're not thinking about it because they disarmed you with the key situation. But immediately he's holding the key. And it gives you this sense of relief that just kind of heightens the whole moment. That's Mm -hmm. the way the scares are in this game. They're never done cheaply. They always kind of have a reason behind them. And they kind of make you laugh at yourself after the fact. Speaking of, there's uh, the antagonist of this game. He calls you on the phone every now and then and just talks trash. Basically tells you how um, you're a therapist and all of your clients have essentially died in different ways and kind of went a little crazy at the end and maybe killed some people themselves at the end. And you're kind of wondering, what's the common thread? Are you the common thread being their therapist? And this guy's talking trash the whole time. And I swear, I forgot to look up whether it is or not, but I swear this has got to be Pete from Goof Troop. 
<laughs> to the T, this guy is talking. He probably has the most vocal lines in this entire game by a landslide. 80% of the lines read in this game are by Pete from Goof Troop. And I love it. <laughs> That's great. Only about eight hours long. The later levels do start to wear out their welcome. But at eight hours, you can go through a, an hour or two to roll credits on this thing. And it's definitely worth the $5 and the eight hours I put into it. And that was going to be my next question about the price point, talking about being a double it's originally a originally 35, and which is why it was on my wish list. It's like, I don't know if I'm 35 into it. Ooh, no, probably not. Maybe even half off. I probably I would have jumped, but $5, 85% off. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Let's do it. Absolutely. Well, Captain, I got to know what you have been playing this week. What you playing? I am back into Grand Theft Auto V online pretty heavy. I've been playing that for the last like five nights straight. There's been a lot Make of stuff. You should be streaming it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should be streaming it. I, I my news article just happened to mention Grand Theft Auto V. I, I didn't really plan. Happy for that. little accident. Happy little accidents that occur. The game is great. I, I mean, what more can I say about it? It's everyone has said enough. It's been out for what seven years now. It's a great it's ten. ten. It's a ten going going on ten years. Okay, yep. well then I'm wrong. Believe that or not. My God. Right. They just updated. They're they're constantly doing online updates with new heists and missions and things and ways to earn money online and run around and have a good time in the, in the free-for-all world. The uh, Grand Theft Auto Online Los Santos Drug Wars are taking place right now. And there's a, basically, a they're called the Fooligans, but it's a gang of, like, um, insane clown posse freaks that you're helping wipe out other gangs. And it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of lowrider missions and driving around and going to lowrider car swap meets and stuff like that. It's it, The game is just immersive, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, if you want to go do something, you can do it. And it's a lot of fun to do it. And if you die, you come right back. It's so great. The During Christmas this year, they've updated a couple things for the festive 2022s. There's the Gooch who stole Christmas is running around. There's a dude in a Grinch-type <laughs> costume. He's called the Gooch. And if you can catch him, you can steal his costume. You get the Gooch mask. And uh, there's 25 random snowmen in the world. The whole town of Los Santos, by the way, is experiencing a blizzard right now. So everything's covered in snow and the driving is out of control. That's cool, though. I gotta, I'd oh, like I to see that. It's great. You should update and see what it's like right now. It's, it's a lot of fun. And they also did a nod to Die Hard. I forget exactly what the mission's oh, called. that. It's basically like, I don't know if you know that you can call in a helicopter or if you got a helicopter, just take your helicopter up and fly up and you parachute out above the Nakatoma building, which is called Weasel Plaza in the game. Mm -hmm. And you parachute down. And as you're coming down, you'll see a firefight on the roof. The guys are shooting it out with an FBI helicopter. And if you could take out the bad guys on the roof, then you get a special handgun, little pistol the weasel blaza pistol or something like that and I, I ended up earning it last night i didn't have a parachute to jump off the building so i just jumped off the building and landed in a puddle on the ground and then got right back did up. a what a, did a mega ragdoll and went horizontal <laughs> basically i tried to flop off the side as hard as i could <laughs> i wanted to see him flop the physics around. are so great in that game it is such a fun game. You forget how fun you it do. is. Just the racing. The racing. There's online racing that's always some kind of cool like Hot Wheels-esque track that goes crazy with loops and jumps and you're flying through the city in your car and like it's the physics are great. The driving physics in Grand Theft Auto are some of the best driving physics of any game ever made. And any car, like they all drive differently. They all you once you get used to it, you really get good at it. And just I, I just love it. Just love me some Grand Theft Auto. So that's what I've been playing heavy right now. Yeah, it's that game that keeps on giving. I step away from it, it from time to time, and then it's a long time before I'll get back on. But I tell you, every time I get back on, it's one of very few games that can do this for me. It's like you're playing it again for the first time. And that's not just because yeah. of the changes, but just because it is so amazing that it has the ability to re-amaze you every time. If that makes any sense, you put it back on. 
And again, you just remember. No, you just forget what all it can do. Yeah, yeah. you forget what all it can do, and then you but see also it. Also, just like, oh, generate sequels through content. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and there's double and triple rewards going on right now for RP and and money and all kind of things in the different free mode missions and whatnot. And just get in on it. If you're not in on Grand Theft Auto Five, you should still be in on Grand Theft Auto Five. So what I have been playing this week is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, and I swear I don't mean to keep going back to this, but they keep expanding what's going on in that game. What I'm talking about specifically is the DMZ beta that they've got running on there right now. And this is something just so removed from the actual Call of Duty gameplay. You drop into an expansive map, just like you would on Warzone, but you're battling bots as well as real players and more bots than real players, right? There are actual things that will have to happen before you're going to run into actual squads of other players playing it. But you're dropping in to find valuable gear and to do sets of different missions and to raid these strongholds. There's all this stuff going on on this big map that you have to do in order to get valuable loot and then get out of there. You spawn in with specific things that you lose if you die with them in the map. You can lose the loot that you find. It takes on this role-playing aspect, but to me, Call of Duty loses something when you're playing against bots. And I gotta admit, when I first dropped in, I took a few people out and thinking it's like Warzone, I'm like, God, why are these people so bad? And then I realized, oh, they're bots. And, you know, (laughs) the bots actually do play well. The AI is decent in that, and that's why I kind of did a double take, like, Man, I don't usually get three or four kills right off the cuff, but yeah, that's what it was. It doesn't make it not fun, but it loses something for me. The magic is just kind of dulled a little bit. bit. Is that new to the Call of Duty series? Because I know they do it on one of our other favorite shooters. Well, it's not necessarily new. One of my (laughs) other buddies I play with lovingly referred to this mode as a watered down escape from Tarkov. That was another mode that they did on another installment of this game. I don't know how true that is as far as the watered down aspect, but yeah, this isn't necessarily something that they haven't done before, but maybe a more expansive or different direction than they've gone with it before. And it really reminds me a lot of The Division. If you remember Ubisoft's The Division not too long ago and Division 2, that was a game in which you actually were in a campaign and, of course, there was AI, but there were real players. You would go into a dark zone, they would call it, and you would try to get the really killer loot out of there, but other players could whack you out and take it. There's a lot of risk involved. So it really makes me think of a first-person version of that. I haven't played enough of it yet to really know if I want to be fully invested in it because I'm a creature of habit. I like my team deathmatch, my free-for-all, my kill confirmed, and I don't get into any of the other stuff, right? Because it takes a long enough time to be married to those modes and level up one profile on this game. Much like Warzone, it's separated from the regular Call of Duty modes. But I will say that I kind of reject the existence of this altogether because of the issues that this game had at launch with the regular call of duty modes which most of which when i can tell it has been fixed but now warzone has got broken issues i got in there with that same buddy i was referencing played with him and a couple of his friends we had a good game going eventually our party was wiped but next thing i know we're dropping back in and i'm like wait a minute we're all dead why are we dropping back in and uh, one of them said, oh, that's been happening. It's it's some kind of glitch. <laughs> People have been, you know, had their parties completely wiped out and then magically just get a chance to drop back in. They've got Stockholm Syndrome. They're just dealing For with no it. reason. Yeah, it's like, I mean, <laughs> the whole party, first of all, one guy came back in that was already gone. Like, because he lost in the gulag, he was out. He dropped back in. And next thing I know, 
it happened at about a time when we all got wiped out too. And somehow again, it just glitched and our whole party dropped back in. We were back from the grave and we were fresh and we were back in it again. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I mean, cool for us because we get to keep playing. But if that was another party that we'd worked hard to take out, again, if, if any mode of this is broken, we're not adding other modes, right? This is in a beta format, which means how much are they leaning in on this? How much are they focused on this? And what's being done to make sure that Warzone and the regular Call of Duty modes are properly maintained to continually make sure that this Modern Warfare 2, that this installment is its best model. That's my concern with it. And I'm hesitant to even pay any attention to this DMZ stuff, no matter how fun or compelling it may be, because I feel like any playing of it is contributing to the the encouragement of them looking yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's it's encouraging that. Behavior. Correct. Yeah. The, taking the focus it's away. Like with cyberpunk, you know, cyberpunk had a famously bad launch, but they pushed back all DLC until everything. They felt like the game was ready and it was the game they meant to launch. They put everything on hold. All that DLC that was supposed to come out three, four, six months later got pushed back to a mm-hmm. year or two years later. And as much as we didn't want to wait on that, that was probably the it right. It probably move. was. So DMZ is fun. I will say that I dropped in on a couple of uh, playthroughs with just random people and they were having a good time. I was having a good time. It it was kind of neat, but at certain points I had to remind myself that I was playing Call of Duty. It's just so far removed. And that's probably just me, but it's so far removed from the close quarters combat and the formula that makes Call of Duty so great. Uh, Sitting there looking for quests and taking on CPU enemies versus actual humans the whole time. In fact, I never did actually see any real players. So it's one of those. Good. Yeah, we wow. took Jeez. on a stronghold and eventually we got wiped out by the AI. And, you know, we had a good time doing it. We got some stuff, found the loot, found some cash, whatnot. But again, it's like, I don't know. It's not what you came to the well, party it's, for. It's, or is it? Like, if that's a normal experience <laughs> for this, okay. But I'm just trying it out. And I can tell you, it just feels like a completely different game. And I was even against Warzone when they first did it. I knew it was just trying to sidestep and compete with Fortnite. I felt like they didn't even need to do that. Maybe they did. I don't know, but I don't like loss of focus on the main modes and on the core experience and formula that is this amazing franchise that has just been around for so long. My question is, does it play like Titanfall did? You know, there were bots to kill in Titanfall too that you weren't exactly sure it was a, a bot or whatever when you first opened fire on somebody. And it was a lot easier to rack up 30 kill run where you actually, you know, 27 of those guys were bots. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it felt a little bit more personable than that. It felt more like you were playing a game of Far Cry or something, if that makes any sense. I mean, there's missions, there's kind of a story to it. There's stuff going on. There's time sensitive things. So a little bit more going on than that. And again, the AI actually played very tactfully and again they did wipe us out we didn't end up getting taken out by actual people so they weren't I'm dummies sure we'll reach a point where ai is indistinguishable and it's probably not as far away probably as hey i don't, I don't want to give it too much credit but again at first i was like man i took out four people already oh wait a minute these aren't real people right so So moving right along into the final segment of this episode, what we as core gamers are looking forward to. James, what specifically are you looking forward to right now? 
I'm gonna throw yet another curveball. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be my weird episode with the feast that's coming out in January. Fire Emblem Engage, Forspoken, Dead Space. Of all of these things, I'm actually looking forward to like a 12 year old PS2 game that's finally getting its chance to be revived. Persona 4 Golden and uh, Persona 3 Portable Golden specifically is what I want to play. This comes out on January 19th for the Switch, Xbox, PS4. It was already out on PC. I just, you know, I'm not a PC guy. I'm just waiting on the console sure. release of this thing to play it. I've somehow missed out on this game. I'm a huge Persona fan. I played one. How many people played Persona 1? I've played 1, 3, and 5. I played 1. Yeah, see? Weird game. This, Especially if gonna... you were there at the time. If you played it when it was at launch, you said, what is this game? But even after 5, I've still never played 4, and it's considered by many to be the best of the bunch and i finally get to play this game on console which is the way i've always wanted to play it if you're not familiar with uh, persona it's a turn-based rpg it's very traditional in all ways and very progressive in a lot of other ways the story may sound familiar if you've ever played a persona game you're the new kid in town you're staying with your uncle and your cousin you spend days going to school making friends experiencing city locales for uh, different types of xp points and personality points by night, you solve murders by entering dungeons and dungeon crawling. You enter these dungeons through your TV on a rainy night uh, at midnight. The TV shows you a murder that's going to happen, and you can jump in there and try and stop it. That's cool. Yeah, it's super cool idea. Very Persona, if you're familiar with the series. Yeah. Combat's traditional turn-based. Not as flashy as P5, but still really pretty to look at. Your Personas, which are these almost like Pokemon meets a stand from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Just these things you can summon that have different elemental correspondences. And each one of them will actually level up through one of your social, what are they called? Social links. So during the day, you're not wasting your time making friends, even though it's just kind of cool hanging out with these characters in these games. They're, this game is known for having tons of really cool, flavorful characters. But as you level up those relationships, their corresponding personas level up. So you're like leveling up summons by making yeah. friends. Really cool concept. The golden version versus the PS2 version back in the day, what it really adds is the Japanese audio, which a lot of people who play JRPGs really just want the Japanese audio. They don't want the dubs. The dubs are great in these cases. Atlas has not spared any expense on these dubs. But at the same time, a lot of people are just purists and they really want that Japanese audio. And there's some graphical tweaks that the PC versions had that I believe these new consoles versions are probably going to end up having as well. So just in general, I'm always glad to return to this universe. It's technically placed in our own world. Like all the different locales in this game are based on real places in Japan. The only other series that rivals this in any way, as far as nailing the visuals and the feeling of visiting and occupying a place is the Yakuza series. Those two games if you've been at a location in a Persona or a Yakuza game, you could walk into that place in real life and it'd probably take you a minute to be like, wait, I haven't actually been here. I just hung out here in a video game. Right. But this series really does nail that aspect. Now, the uh, the golden one, that, that was the one on Vita, right? Yes, the golden. And believe it or not, I, I had a Vita, but I had to sell it a couple months before uh, Golden came out. And that was the reason I was holding on to it. I was like, I need to hold on to this Vita until Golden comes out. Then I was just down on my luck at the time. Literally had to keep the lights on and sell it for the electric bill. Never got to play it. And so here's my swan song. I finally get my retribution. I finally get to play this game 10 years later. <laughs> this is dropping when? January 19th. Okay, so soon. So what I'm looking forward to is something that's only recently been brought to my attention. And yes, it's another release from my friends at NIS America. Love these guys. We're looking at the release of R-Type Tactics 1 and 2 Cosmos 
something that's not coming till the summer of this year, but with our backlogs, waiting is not a problem. What caught me off guard here is that once again, this is a re-release, but to me, it's a new game. I'm not going to sit here and act like I knew these games existed. R-Type Tactics? No, sir. Didn't know anything about that. no idea. Played tons of R-Type back in the day on Sega Master System. Little bit on Turbo Graphics, mostly on Sega consoles, though R-Type is just a staple. Absolutely love it. Fantastic shooter. Gorgeous artwork. These are old PSP games. Again, they do this all the time. I'd never heard of these, though. I'd never saw these games. I feel like I'm the demographic, and I didn't know this existed until you brought it up on the podcast. Did not know they existed. So, of course, I had to dig a little bit. Again, I'm not going to come at you acting like I knew about this. Oh, I know everything. No, I'm not that guy. I'll admit, I did not know about these. R-Type Tactics 1 was released in 2008. It was an Atlas game. So that was the publisher at that time. And the second one never came West because apparently, I mean, I guess it just didn't do very well. I mean, we know that's how that goes with certain games and other franchises when they don't come this way. But uh, yeah, I mean, just from what I can see in the gameplay, the originals did suffer from some things that I would hope they're going to improve with the uh, quality of life enhancements we generally see in these remakes. And specifically, I mean, long load times and cool combat animations that unfortunately end up taking a while and bog down the combat experience. You end up having to just kind of remove that in the options to where the flow will kind of pick back up. I don't know. I guess it's all flow stuff from what Mm -hmm. I could tell from the gameplay that I've watched on the respective games that were the uh, general complaints that people had with these overall. But the concept is there, right? Somebody said, oh my God, I want to make an R-Type tactics game. And by God, they did it. I mean, the setup of it is really cool. We've got a hex grid going on. It looks like the old uh, Aerotech expansions to Battletech is what it it reminds me of. I'm into this. Yeah, and you're putting your ship units out there and setting up their abilities, weapons, and what have you. So without actually being able to dive right in and play it myself, I can't tell you a whole lot about it other than it's an R-type tactics game. And do you really need to know that much more about it at that point? I (laughs) I was sold at the title. Yeah, I mean, that's an instant buy. Sold at the title screen. It's an instant buy concept there. It just sounds like it was not wonderfully executed, like a really good dream that you have, but some weird things happened in it and you can't recount all of it. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds like it's going to get the full makeover treatment that we've seen so many different games get recently. Some of the printy games and the Phantom Brave RPG. Oh, yeah. And the Disgaea remakes, too. Uh, It just didn't sell well on that console over here either, because the the Valkyria Chronicles is another really good tactics style game. Okay, yeah. They made that they released the first one over here and then the second and third one were PSP tactics games that didn't get released in the states until recently yeah and it's like now i would think something like that actually would do well the r-type final games that we reviewed was fantastic and honestly it was news to me that that existed too at the time because that was a ps2 game and i played plenty of ps2 never even freaking saw that game there's a third installment of that coming out as well that's another story for another day but yeah r-type tactics one and two cosmos Love what I'm seeing here. And again, if this gets the quality of life enhancements that I think it's going to get, we're going to get a really fun game. It's coming to PlayStation 4, 5, Switch, and PC in summer of 2023. Again, from our friends at NIS America. And I hope, as is the fashion, as is always my plan, we'll be able to review that game on the YouTube channel, take a look at it, dive deep, and see what we're getting into there. It's where it feels like NIS reads my diary sometimes, you know? Yeah. (laughs) 
The last R-Type game I played was three on the Super Nintendo. So That was a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Maybe there might have been one on PS1 that I played, Delta or something like that, R-Type. If there was, I, I didn't play it. It was news to me that Final even existed. I Again, didn't know. I didn't. You're you're talking these things, and my mouth has been on the floor of my garage here for the, for the last five <laughs> minutes because I'm like, there's more R type games. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to believe really how many installments of that game there really are if you really go down the list. And that's wild. I think anyone's full of Duke if they claim to have played them all because I don't know anybody that's that hardcore into even it. And even having access they, to all of them. Access exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Don't tell me you had access to all of that you go that far back nobody owned every system in existence nobody did that even if their family could afford that even if they were the rich kid on the block it wasn't the style at the time to own every game console you didn't own every vcr you didn't own every microwave on the market (laughs) nobody did those things it was just a different age so yeah i feel like everybody has some backtracking to do in the r-type franchise and in a way we're going to kind of do that here while simultaneously stepping forward So, Captain, I got to know what you are looking forward to specifically. Hit us with it. Well, we spoke briefly before we started recording tonight, and we mentioned a game or two. And I also had a question about if I was going to have to upgrade a console, and y'all both told me no, but you're both liars. (laughs) Star Star Wars Jedi Survivor is hitting in March. I know it's a little bit far away, but it's a PS5, Xbox Series X. It sure is. It'll be here soon. I guess I could play it on Windows, but I don't play anything on my computer, so... Looks like oh, I'm yeah. going to have to upgrade, son, if I want to play the furthering adventures of Cal Kestis. And, uh, and you do. I, I, I do. I do. I loved Fallen Order. I played through that at least three times. Such a good game. Such a great game. That I, mean, I loved the two that were on the Xbox 360 as well. The, mm-hmm. the fall, what are they? Force Unleashed. Awakens, Force Unleashed. For, uh, yeah, Force Unleashed. Force Awakens. That was a movie, right? <laughs> I love Star Wars. Give me Star Wars. Anything Star Wars. The story is set five years after the events of Fallen Order, around the same time as the Obi-Wan TV show, apparently, that's running on Disney. And uh, you get to play as Cal Kestis again as he fights the hostile Galactic Empire. I cannot wait. And now I'm going to have to buy a whole new console to do that. Well, Phobo is the only thing that gets you on those things because you have time, right? You have not completed your PS4 journey. No one has. No, that's that's what I keep professing to everybody. But I understand. Like I said, I mean, I just talked about Need for Speed Unbound on the last episode. If you want the new Need for Speed, guess what you're going to have to buy to play it. And again, I already feel duped because it's already gone on sale for Christmas. It's going to be 20 bucks before you know it, just like I said. And then it's going to be free on EA Play. So by the time you finally do upgrade, you could be playing it for free at that point. FOMO is your only enemy. So by the numbers... By the uh, Merconomic standpoint, I touch on that a lot. No, there's absolutely no sound of my decision that can be made to buy a PlayStation 5 or Series X right now, in my professional opinion. But no, you won't be the first to play that game. Every game I've bought for the last six months, with maybe the exception of God of War, has had a drastic price cut. And I just, you feel like an idiot when you see it happen. (laughs) Even the stuff I thought was going to be rare, like Tactics Ogre, it's like $35 now. But not to digress too far from the path there, I'm assuming this will be a lot like Fallen Order, I guess, the same type of game. Yeah, I'm I'm imagining it's just more of the same, more to do and and better things and ways to do it. Some new force moves, possibly. Uh, I know that I read about one that's kind of like a Kylo Ren type thing where he, in the movie, he could freeze enemies and blaster bolts in the midair like they were shooting at him. I did see that. held a blaster bolt. I did see that. And okay. I think you can do that in this game and you might be able to redirect the laser beam or something like that with it. And That's a know, super cool feature in a video game. Very cool. Cal's looking grizzled too. Like dude's been through some stuff. 
He's seen some that things. Five years, yeah, five years has not stuff. been kind. There's a, there's also a new, from what I could see in some of the things, it looked like another cross guard uh, lightsaber, like a Kylo Ren style lightsaber that's got a blocking guard, a cross guard on it. And these uh, are all very dark side sounding things. I wonder if they're going to give you that option this time, like they did in some of the old Kotor and uh, you know, yeah, Jedi Academy type stuff, where you get right. to choose light side and dark side powers and, and uh, decisions. Yeah, I, I would love a return to the uh, Knights Kotor, Knights of the Old Republic, that was immersive and deep and just this. Yes, Let's play. Let's play that. So I, I would love something along the lines of that, where your decisions have consequences throughout the game. But it might. It's probably going to be more hack and slash, like Fallen Order. Was probably so. hack and slash game. But um, it could be both, and the groundwork's laid for that. People have been dying for another Kotor. I don't know if Bioware would ever grace us with something like that. But there's tie-in media. There's a book, uh, Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars, a tie-in novel that is coming also in March, and it bridges the story gap between Fallen Order and Survivor. And then there's a you can see a, exactly what stuff he's seen. Yeah, and then there's a confirmed the Inquisitor fifth brother who appeared in the TV show Star Wars Rebels and Obi Wan Kenobi is a apparently confirmed to appear. I don't know if I remember that guy's face off the top. I know there was the Inquisitors that were all about, that series was all about the Inquisitors showing up and working with Darth Vader. And then one of them was a, spoiler alert, a spy. try. <laughs> you know, he was working against Vader, really. She was. Some really cool designs with those two. They just make cool video game enemies. Absolutely. You can't go wrong with a laser sword and a laser gun. That's just super Typically, fun. no. So I, I'm looking forward to that, along with a slew of other things that are coming, but I'm not looking forward to having to buy a PlayStation 5. And let <laughs> me just say this also, it's your fault as well, Andy, because in your latest video, there you are sitting at your little desk with your little PS5 tower sitting behind you, and I just was drooling the whole time, like, I guess I'm going to have to upgrade if I'm going to stay in the same bed uh, with yeah. Andy. Me and him are going to be I'm, cool. I'm not going to lie, it looks really sexy next it to that does. monitor, it, it, all slimline with freaking <laughs> Wii tablets and switch pads all next to it. Not to, to take it the whatnot. extra mile, but if you put it next to an OLED that matches it in color. Ooh. Ooh. It's, oh, it's, oh, now it's i got to go buy an OLED that matches it in color. <laughs> Jesus. Awesome. I want to thank each and every one of you, the listeners out there, for joining us right here for another episode of Modern Core Gamer. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Modern Core Gamer. And I want to thank my co-hosts, Triple J, J-Town James Jones. And thanks for being here, James. Always a pleasure. And Captain, thank you so much for everything that you bring to the table each and every time. You are so welcome, buddy. More action coming your way real soon right here MC Murr signing off for this episode. We will see each and every one of you again next time.